Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I am your host, my name is Shemaine Linney, I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, certified iridologist and biohacker and I'm very happy to have you back with me for another episode of the Find Your Model Health podcast. I do hope you find this episode very helpful because we are going to discuss a molecule or an enzyme that I'm very passionate about and that is seropeptase. The research around seropeptase is incredible for its anti-inflammatory aspects, its ability to digest dead tissue, blood clots, cysts, mucus thinning, and even digestion of arterial plaque. And we're going to get into all of this a lot more, but I really am passionate about seropeptase for all its amazing abilities. But before I go on, I must remind you that the information in these podcasts is not to be taken as medical advice. It's for informational purposes only. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. Okay, those of you that follow me uh, or have done for a long time and even my clients, you know that I will often recommend serapeptase and I have done for a long time. I've been a big fan of serapeptase when I first discovered it for its benefits around sinus issues and polyps and congestion and even sinusitis. That's where I first kind of stumbled across serapeptase. And then from there on, not only has the research shown us more of its abilities, um, I've discovered through my own experience other ways that serapeptase can help not just other people, but myself. I have been using serapeptase for several years and I have actually taken time off serapeptase, so weeks off at a time to see if I can really narrow down like how is this helping me? Is this even making a difference? And I can honestly say now, yes, it is. Uh, over the summer, I took maybe three or four weeks off taking serapeptase and then I just started to notice these symptoms arise and especially with my bells. Now I know my bells don't do great in extreme heat or heat waves. Remember, I'm Irish, so how you feel a heat wave is quite different to how I feel a heat wave. But uh, I noticed I started having a lot of bell issues and I was like, what is going on here? And then I started to get some aches and pains. Yes, I do train hard. And when there's a heat wave and we're dehydrated, we can get stiffer and have more aches and pains in our joints. But I was like, this is a bit abnormal for me considering everything else I do. Um, so I kind of was like, okay, what have I changed? And then I must have been on the same frequency with the universe or something, but something about serapeptase crossed my phone screen and I was like, huh, I haven't taken that in ages and I have been having some real bowel issues for a couple of weeks now. I wonder if it's that. So um, I 
and I've spoke about it before, I have diverticulosis, but it's never a concern. I've done episodes on this. There is a vast population or a vast amount of the population. It's guesstimated up to 80% of people could have diverticulosis, but most people don't know because it's really hard to diagnose. You're looking at either an MRI or a CT scan, and mine was diagnosed with an MRI. Um, So not to go off on too much of a tangent, but I just want to put things into a bit of perspective for you with my antidote. And uh, so uh, on my left descending colon, that's where I have um, the worst of the diverticulosis. And this could have happened through pregnancy. It could have been genetic. My mom has diverticulosis, actually, and most diverticulosis is genetic. Anyway, so on my descending colon on the left, that's where the MRI showed that my biggest pockets of diverticuli were. Now, I'm never concerned about diverticulitis because I take quite good care of myself. I rarely get infections, and that's what diverticulitis is. But in regards to diverticulosis, I know I have it, and I know that the problem area is my left descending colon. And I've been having a lot of pain there for the last couple of weeks. And at first, I thought, oh, I just maybe pulled a muscle in the gym. And the pain stems right through over my left hip bone around my sciatic area on my back it's like a pressure pain and then I noticed I started getting this kind of pain or pressure and a small bulge under my lower abdominal cavity kind of in my inner left hip around the pelvic area and I touch it and it's a bit tender and then ding ding everything clicked with me and I was like oh my god because, and I've noticed the change in my bowel movements, I was like, that is these um, diverticuli. My diverticulosis is acting up. Now, I don't have symptoms of an infection, but I definitely 100% have symptoms of inflammation, which I always get in the heat waves. Last year, many of you will remember that I experienced hyponatremia and I fainted in the heat wave and my body just does not respond well. I hold on to a lot of fluid, a lot of inflammation. Part of it is genetic um, and part of it is I've always had bad circulation as well. Anyway, so... I started taking divertic, not diverticulose, serapeptase again on Sunday just past, so like two days ago. And I took a super dose at night, Sunday night, and then I took another higher dose Monday morning. And on Monday, not to be too uh, detailed, but by Monday, my bowel movements started to normalize again. And Although I don't feel 100% yet, I started to feel improvement. I had the first solid bowel movement I've had in weeks. Um, And I really do feel like serapeptase has helped a lot in that. Now, serapeptase is not a miracle. It's not going to work overnight, but it does over time. Uh, Just like anything, wash, rinse, repeat, consistency, and it'll continue to help you. So there's my story. I really believe in serapeptase, and I've seen it work for, like I said, not just myself, but many, many of my clients. So let's get into it. What is serapeptase for those of you that aren't 100% sure? Um, So serapeptase is an enzyme. It's a proteolytic enzyme. 
and it's derived from the gut bacteria of silkworms, which I think is really cool. This enzyme that the silkworms produce actually helps them digest the cocoon proteins to break them down and then they emerge from that healthier, shall we say. So serapeptase has been used for years in Japan and Europe and pretty much enzymes. When you really look at the research around enzymes, enzymes have been used for a long, long time for reducing inflammation and pain due to whatever trauma or other inflammatory conditions, even improving recovery. Um, today, serapeptase is generally used as a supplement and we're going to kind of look at these health benefits associated with it but you may have heard me speak about enzymes before i did two podcast episodes on enzymes a couple of months ago so enzymes as i think about them they're catalysts they're eaters i always imagine enzymes like little pac-men you've thousands and thousands of little pac-men going around your body just helping to clean things up and helping things work better well serapeptase is one of these enzymes and you may also hear it referred to as serratiopeptidase um, it's a proteolytic enzyme so that proteo aspect means it breaks down proteins then lytic means it clears things out so meaning it breaks down proteins into smaller components which are amino acids which can either be repurposed or excreted out of the body so like i said it's produced in the digestive tract of the silkworm it helps the silkworm digest the proteins of the cocoon and then allows the emerging moss to digest and dissolve and evolve. So the use of proteolytic enzymes like trypsin and chymotrypsin and even bromelain, which would probably be more commonly recognized by people, uh, which is derived from pineapples, most commonly came into practice in the United States during the 1950s after it was observed that they had anti-inflammatory effects. And then the same observation was made with serapeptase in Japan during the late 1960s when researchers initially isolated the enzyme from the silkworm. And you know, I there, there's two countries that I really feel are leading the way in health. And Japan is for sure one of them. And I think Japan has been leading the well, the way for health for a long, long time. I mean, their research and just their intuition, I'm going to say, they're looking at stuff that the rest of the world is not looking at. And the stuff that they're looking at, the molecules, uh, these, these health aids, shall we say, the rest of the world's not looking at them, but they're really making a difference to the Japanese population and their healthcare system. And then the second would be Australia. I think Australia are doing great things in regards to health and moving the world forward in uh, the future of health, shall we say. But since then, there's been many, many studies that have showed several uses for promoting health with serapeptase. 
So the first one that I always consider when I'm looking at serapeptase, and I've kind of touched on it is already, is its ability to reduce inflammation. And the research is there. If you look for PubMed, if you look through Google Scholar, you will see that there is the research on serapeptase's ability for reducing inflammation, including reducing the viscosity which i suppose would be inflammation of mucus and even inflammation of the blood which is very important when we look at aging in dentistry the enzyme has been used following minor surgical procedures such as tooth removal to help reduce pain and lockjaw and even swelling um, and serapeptase has been shown to decrease inflammatory cells at the affected site. So one review of five studies aimed to identify and confirm the anti-inflammatory effects of serapeptase to other drugs. And the name of that study, if you want to look it up, you'll find it on PubMed. It's the role of serratio peptidase after surgical removal of impacted molar. So you can look that up. And what they found was serapeptase was more effective at improving lockjaw than ibuprofen or corticosteroids, which most of you know are powerful drugs that are used to tame inflammation. But um, what's more is that the corticosteroids were found to outperform serapeptidase in reducing facial swelling. But the differences later on were pretty much insignificant. So serapeptase still held its own. It stood strong and it made a difference there. Um, and there's also a lot around. There's another study that I like to look at. Serapeptidase uh, insights into the therapeutic applications. You'll find this on PubMed and shows how serapeptidase is shown to dissolve blood clots and arteriosclerotic plaques by breaking down fibrin and other dead or damaged protein fibers. And that's important to understand. So a lot of the research around serapeptase shows us that serapeptase as an enzyme, and like I said, it's an eater. It helps to clean up the body. Um, serapeptase basically will go around and eat up dead or damaged proteins. So that will include scar tissue, uh, fibrins, fibroids, blood clots, um, any sort of inflamed proteins maybe throughout the sinuses, which is where I'd used it for um, my clients that have polyps and sinus issues. And really polyps are these dead proteins. They have a biofilm and then they can become infected and serapeptase can help to break down that biofilm, which is also important to consider when you look at candida and viruses and other pathogens that have a biofilm, they can be harder to kill off because you need to break down that biofilm first to get in and kill them and target their uh, DNA or mRNA and serapeptase can be quite helpful for that. So you can use this along with, say, other antiviral or antibacterial aids. As serapeptase has also been shown to be very helpful with cysts as well, because cysts are dead tissues in a way. So serapeptase can help 
reduce and even remove them. And then there is other research showing serapeptase along with another enzyme called natokinase, which improves tissue healing and supports a healthy respiratory system. Um, so I don't want to kind of confuse you too much, but in all, I like to use serapeptase for inflammation, especially around the sinuses, like I said, in the gut, it can help eat up any damage or scar tissue within the gut, any dead tissue that's clogging things up can help reduce um, inflammation, but not only throughout the body of the blood, like I mentioned, and even your mucus, and mucus is not just in your sinuses, we have mucus all over the body. So we, when we can improve the flow and the viscosity of blood and mucus and other fluids in the body, everything starts to move easier and flow better. So we've kind of less... Um, what shall I say, bunging up or clogging up of the machinery. You're not as stiff, you move more freely, but you also see this in an improvement in circulation as well through the blood, through the mucus, through the lymphatic fluids, which really can make a difference. And that's where we see serapeptase can be helpful for the likes of varicose veins. And many people have varicose veins, even if they don't know it, a lot of varicose veins you can't even see. So serapeptase can be really helpful with that. So I really like serapeptase for inflammation, especially if I see congestion around the sinuses, but then circulation and swelling and fluid retention is a big part of that as well. Now, I gave you my own kind of antidote about, antidote, excuse me, about um, my bowel issues and how serapeptase helped with that. And if you think of... Um, People with IBD or IBS and they experience a lot of diarrhea or maybe they have these rabbit poop droppings, bell movements or even very skinny bell movements. That generally tells us there's a lot of inflammation in the bells, in the intestines and especially in the colon. And serapeptase can help to reduce that inflammation and take some pressure off the bell. So then you start to see that your bell movements become more solid and more normal looking. So this can be a very helpful tool. And I really hope that you, if you're experiencing any of these symptoms that I'm mentioning, you might consider taking serapeptase even for a cycle. So there's a lot of other research around the inflammation. There's research showing that serapeptase helps to reduce pain, obviously a common symptom of inflammation. Uh, one study looked at the effects of serapeptase in nearly two p 200 people with inflammatory ear, nose, and throat conditions. And the researchers found that the participants who supplemented with serapeptase had significant reductions in pain, severity, and mucus production compared to those who took a placebo. Another study observed that serapeptase significantly reduced pain intensity compared to a placebo in 24 people following the removal of wisdom teeth. And this could be why I have good pain tolerance. I never really ever, ever take painkillers. 
Um, then we see there is seropeptase may decrease your risk for bacterial inflammation. So this goes back to the biofilms that I mentioned where bacteria can join together and then they'll form a protective outer coating or barrier and this biofilm acts as like a shield against not just antibiotics but even natural antivirals and antibacterials so then while under this shield the bacteria can just keep growing and proliferating rapidly and make your infection even worse and the more you get of them the harder it is to remove but serapeptase we see inhibits the formation of biofilms thereby increasing the effectiveness of antibacterials, um, antivirals, antibiotics even. So research has suggested that serapeptase improves the efficacy in treating Staphylococcus aureus, which is a leading cause of healthcare associated infections. Um, and if you want to see that study, it's on PubMed and it's titled Potential Use of Targeted Enzymatic Agents in the Treatment of Staphylococcus Aureus Biofilm-Related Infections. Super interesting. I mean, you don't have to look at the studies. You could just take my word for it if you want. But um, this is a very helpful tool because we see all these bacteria resist antibiotic resistant strains coming out and herbs can be great but if you can't get through that biofilm you're going to struggle to get rid of the infections um, and then I mentioned it has the ability to dissolve blood clots very important point now uh, especially over the last few years we'll leave it at that and can be useful for chronic respiratory issues. So serapeptase may increase the clearance of mucus and reduce inflammation in the lungs with people with chronic, chronic respiratory disease. So CRD are diseases of the airways and of the lungs that can be really tough to shift. Um, so CRDs are proposed to be incurable and various treatments can help to dilate the air passages or increase mucus clearance but serapeptase like i mentioned can help kind of open up the airway airways by reducing the inflammation but also helping the mucus clearance by improving the viscosity in one four-week study 29 people with chronic bronchitis were randomly assigned to receive 30 milligrams of serapeptase or placebo daily the people who were given serapeptase had less mucus production compared to the placebo group and were better able to clear the mucus from their lungs you want to look at that study you're going to PubMed and it's titled effect of the proteolytic enzyme serapeptase in patients with chronic airway disease okay so then lastly how would you take serapeptase well, this is important so listen up serapeptase because it is a proteolytic enzyme it eats up protein therefore you have to take it away from other molecules so supplements even herbs and food because if you ingest anything and you take serapeptase it's going to eat the proteins in that stuff rather than eating the damaged proteins within you so generally we're taking serapeptase on an empty stomach 
I like to recommend people take seropeptase as soon as they wake up, this is how I take it, and then wait. Because you've been sleeping all night, you're generally fasted, you've got an empty stomach, so you can wait 30 to 40 minutes. Generally we say 40, but I think that if you've been fasting all night, you're good with 30, you're going to break down that those capsules pretty fast and the enzyme's going to get to work. So I will take um, seropeptase that way. For other people, if I found it useful, it, it really depends on people's lifestyles and their routines. What are they doing first thing in the morning? What are they doing in the evening? Generally, I don't recommend we take seropeptase during the day. There's just too much going on. People always seem to be consuming something. People are always snacking. So it's either going to be first thing in the morning. For some people, they'll take it before bed. But again, that depends on their routine. Uh, like if you've had an evening tea, that's not going to influence serapeptase because you're going to digest that pretty fast. It's just tea. But then some people, if they wake up during the night to use the bathroom, I found it helpful to have them take serapeptase then. And then they just go back to bed and it gets to work. So that's obviously really easy for people to do. So um, serapeptase, okay, so we look at dosages. Dosages in the studies usually range from 10 milligrams to 60 milligrams. When I'm referring to serapeptase, I'm usually referring to it in international units. So um, serapeptase generally is measured in international units. So if, you, if someone says 10 milligrams, that generally relates to 20,000 units of the enzyme activity or international units. Um, I generally will recommend between 120,000 SUs or units to 240,000. And the reason is I find that the higher doses are more effective. Generally, you're pretty safe with enzymes. It's not like taking magnesium where you'd have bell tolerance. You're generally pretty safe with enzyme. But because serapeptase can be easily destroyed and deactivated by stomach acid before it even has a chance to reach your intestines, I find the higher doses give us the better results because you're increasing your chances of having the serapeptase reach your intestines because you're taking more that gives you a higher kind of um, amount that's going to reach the intestines without being damaged. So you will lose some in the stomach acid, but then you're getting a nice dose that hits the intestines. So that's generally, those are the amounts I like to recommend. Anything else I feel is not going to be as effective. Like the studies do show lower amounts, but from my experience, I'm looking at 120,000 to 240,000. And that's generally going to be once or twice a day it really depends on the issue and the individual and the circumstances um there's not many side effects to serapeptase it's an enzyme enzymes are generally quite safe there was one or two that reported people taking enzymes had some muscle and joint pain uh they lost their appetite which i know people 
probably won't have an objection to. Um, there was a little bit of nausea. I suspect that was people with low stomach acid and sensitivities in their stomach. Um, and then, yeah, that was it. I mean, the muscle and joint pain, I think, is because of the anti-inflammatory aspect and that potentially that person wasn't hydrated enough to help lubricate and flush out um, the proteins that were being changed. Now, serapeptase, we do want to be cautious with other blood thinners because, again, it will help thin the blood. But that's also the same for garlic and green tea and fish and turmeric. It's not something, honestly, it's not something I worry too much about. And that's not being negligible. I would rather someone had blood thinning or anti-inflammatory um, aspects of their blood from a natural more natural source than warfarin or aspirin like i'd rather see my clients get off blood thinners and use natural alternatives instead obviously that's up to the individual but here let's be realistic nearly every healthy food out there has an anti-inflammatory or blood thinning effect if these things were such a concern, and I do understand dosages and concentrations, but if this was such a big concern, you could pretty much eat no healthy food. And one of the reasons that people need blood thinners because they have so much inflammation is because they don't eat enough healthy food and their processed junk food is destroying their health and driving up inflammation and blood pressure. So really, we have to kind of use some critical thinking here. It's not something I'm too concerned about. I'd rather my clients eat foods that were healthy and going to be natural blood thinners anyway. But it is something you do need to be aware of. So whether or not you should supplement with serapeptase is going to be up to you. If you're a follower or a client of mine, you can always discuss it with me or discuss it with your health practitioner. If you have any questions around this, please reach out to me. You can do so on Facebook or Instagram or through YouTube or even through the podcast. There's options to reach out to me or my website is shemainsmodelhealth.com and I'll be happy to answer any questions. If there's anyone you know that might benefit from this information, like this really is an awesome molecule in my opinion and can be very effective, please share with them. Sharing is caring. And otherwise, if you guys haven't subscribed to my podcast already or liked it, please do. It really helps me. And leaving a review or even a comment under my podcast or videos really helps with the algorithm. And it helps me as a small business, but in a way that it boosts the algorithm so I can reach more people. And that doesn't just benefit me. That benefits people because a lot of this information is for people. It's for everyone to benefit from. And a lot of people don't know this stuff. If we can help people get this stuff, then we can help more people. Anyway, I will chat to you guys really, really soon. Thanks for sharing some of your day with me. Go enjoy the sunshine and stay hydrated. Bye-bye.